join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Bedford, New York, and the crap part of the South Fork of Long Island, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. We back like Donda, and from the outset, we want to send big love from all of us at Men in Blazers to all of you across the great state of Louisiana. As you deal with the seismic aftermath of Hurricane Ida, we wish all of you strength safety and health can't imagine what you've been going through and Dave I hope our crap brings Louisiana GFOPs a modicum of respite yeah significantly among them young Samson Bennett freshman at Tulane (laughs) University (laughs) loving it having the first week that he will he will probably remember forever ton of great GFOPs down there in Louisiana including the great English Bob we send our love to all of you, but we're here, Dave, to talk about the football after a week of insane emotions. One of the biggest transfers of the last decade in the Premier League, Ronaldo, Dave, yeah. back. I mean, oh, yeah. let's dive on in. Yeah, not sure if anyone heard about this. It was a smaller story in the sports pages just in the UK. Uh, but Friday morning, Manchester United announced that they had reached a deal to sign the 36-year-old Ronaldo from Juventus. He had his medical in Portugal this weekend, appears all set to join United after the international break, returning to the club with which he lit up Premier League grounds from those trophy-filled years between 2003 and 2009. Further proof that we're all just living in a simulation, Roger. Oh, he'd be tweaking. Uh, I mean, top line, top line. You know, this is a move that we lived in a chaotic, crazed end of last week, a move that reflects really the insane arms race that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. for the past few months at the top levels of global football, where PSG, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid pretending to be in there. We will see. They're trying to be 
essentially like the sporting equivalents of Bezos, Branson and Musk sending penis-shaped rockets towards the moon. But, I mean, you could say this is really just a crazy Super League in different clothing. That's that's, that's rational. But emotionally, I I have not been so excited to watch the football as I was this weekend. I texted with my mate Mark Stein ahead of kickoff. um, And he wrote uh, back to me, he said, football is a drug and it's the best kind. So let's talk about this, David. It was a crazy end to last week. Thursday night, look like Ronaldo was set for a a move that I honestly didn't understand to Manchester City. Friday, yeah. we know it ended differently. United mm-hmm. stepped in after City's deal or City's fake out of United, depending on who you speak to, fell apart. Juventus will reportedly receive a modest $28 million transfer. I mean, they needed him gone. They, If you speak to them, they wanted him gone. Ronnie on a reported $28 million a year salary. Um, and yeah, United said Declan Rice too expensive. So that is quite fascinating. But part of me sadly didn't end up at City there because that battle between Ronnie's pecs and Jack Grealish's calves in the gym, that would have been some dance off to the death, huh? Yeah, but they can still go to the same gym in Manchester. There aren't that many elite <laughs> gyms in Manchester, Rog. I'm sure you, they- you and me, a shake weight shakedown. Tonight we dance. You know, September the 11th is the second coming, home to Newcastle United. It's going to be quite an occasion where a lineup of Fernandez and Pogba and Fred. What do you make of it, David? Because to me, it's proof Premier League scriptwriters should not be vaping and writing. Well, it's all very Super League-y, Rog. It's all very career mode on FIFA-y. Um, and it, it is, uh, it's like a dream. But just judging by, and I'm sure, you know, you've gauged, um, you've gauged the sort of sentiment in your own household, just gauging by the sentiment in mine. Both of my daughters, who I live with, and uh, my little boy are just, just all they wanted to know was, was Ronaldo going to play for Manchester United this weekend? Because they wanted to watch. And this is while they're watching Messi, you know, play his first game for PSG. You know, they, it, it's going to engage young people. Apparently, the Man United club shop has been swarmed with people trying to get Ronaldo printed on their jerseys. And the, the club shop has said, no, we're not doing it till Tuesday. Um, and it's, it's a bargain for Man United. It's a bargain as a piece of business. It's it's brilliant, brilliant. It's brilliant also for the Premier League. Mm, and that's how I handicap it. Ronaldo is box office one of the biggest. Never mind sporting figures. It's one of the biggest cultural figures in the world for United fans. It's also incredible. Ronaldo and Old Trafford, like David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston, rekindling their passion in cleats. The man who was at the heart of the last great attack, 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 Manchester United team. So many memories, so many dreams, so much nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, let's forget he almost did sign for City thing, but the Godhead is back in red or in blue or whatever weird kit they're trying to sell in the gift <laughs> shop. This own. But from, from Manchester United on the field, Dave, from Man United on the field of play, I'm not quite sure it's going to be very good at all. Well, what you're saying is, is where does he fit in? By the way, you did just leave out the spray tanners of Manchester who were just like, you know, with they, they, they were already dancing a jig with grills having arrived, but now they've got Ronaldo in as well. It's never been better for the spray tanners. Not just the spray tanners, the waxers. I mean, it's Christmas come early for the waxers of the greater Manchester area. Yeah, well, look, I guess the question is, where does he fit in in this very odd Manchester United side where it just feels as though 
as many players as they bring in, they're always seem to be playing people a little bit out of position, like Pogba in holding midfield and, you know, not really sure who is the conventional striker. It's a, um, and but they'll fit him in. I imagine they'll find a place in the team for Ronaldo. God, you know, there, there is a Tampa Bay Super Bowl winning scenario. I do want to say that this could go swimmingly well. <laughs> yeah, to play him at, play him at quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> you you watch what happened in Italy, and oh yes, he scored eighty one league goals, a, a seismic number in three seasons at Juventus. But Juventus declined as he did so. You know, yes, on one hand, Ronaldo, a ruthless fitness regime, he is a true professional in terms of his approach to the game, but he no longer presses. He's an idea of an elite footballer. It, 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 that five-tool player that could hurt opponents in so many ways. But now he doesn't press. He doesn't play in reverse. You know, it's a bit like watching Bradley Bale pouring 40 points a game for the Wizards when they lose uh, every game down the stretch. And I do think, I want to say this, he would have been a disaster at Manchester City, a mm. bit like adding a peacock to a hive of worker bees, like a David Lee Roth to an a cappella group. But United... United under Ole, I can't think of a better team for Ronaldo, not just because of his past there, but Ronaldo under Ole is so much about passion, is so much about loving United. You know, do, do you love United? You know how when you used to come to America, you had to sign a visa form that said, um, are you a fascist? Um, are you affiliated uh, with any genocidal governments? Yes, no, you had to tick the, tick the box. And uh, I, I do believe... You know, other teams have incredible mental uh, aptitude tests and psychological tests and obviously tactical tests. I think Ole just said, do you love United? And if so, if you tick that box, yes, then you can get in. This United team are so much about good vibes in key moments. Who knows how it's going to go from a footballing perspective? Well, and also, Roger, what do they have to lose? Um, it's not like they aren't in a pretty competitive fight in the Premier League this season. We saw how good City are this weekend. I think we saw how good Liverpool and Chelsea are. I think we're seeing how good Tottenham still are. Um, and they probably need an extra piece or two or a little bit of magic to put some fear into the opposition. So I think it's a no-lose situation. I think it's a brilliant move. I know that he can be disruptive in the dressing room. I know they're going to pay him a fortune. From a commercial point of view, they're going to make a fortune on his shirts. They're making a fortune in marketing deals. I'm sure every sponsor you know, related to that club is delighted about it. And I think from a footballing point of view, it can't hurt. It can't possibly it, hurt. It probably hurts if you are in Mason Greenwood's house this morning. <laughs> you know, a guy who didn't make the England squad this week uh, is scoring again for fun and is suddenly probably realising that he's going to spend a lot of time out of position on the wing. Edinson Cavani, his thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You know, there is the question from a full-length perspective about whether this United squad, which I think is excellent, excellent, missing pieces, but excellent, do United actually need him? Will he, will he be the player that will take them next level? You know, Juventus, when you listen to their players, they said how it seemed they were playing with 10 men uh, until the ball came into their opponent's box and then Ronaldo came alive. You, know, you have to ask the footballing question. I know this is dull and unromantic, would have been better for United to, you know, get a number six that they clearly cry out for. But forget that. That's rational. There's a romance to this. Bizarrely, actually, there's a romance to this, Davo, and there's no romance to it at all. That's the, the weird thing about this. I mean, there's the romance, the return home. We have heard 
in America from so many American fans who fell in love with United because of Ronaldo in that Ronaldo era. In Britain, you know, you fuse Ronaldo into Ole's nostalgia-fueled leadership and you've got two icons at the wheel, teammates for four seasons, the guy who scored in the 2008 Champions League final, managed by the sweet, sweet man who got the legendary goal in 1999. Essentially, a club DVD living and breathing at Old Trafford once again. No current glories, but you look at these two, you savour memories. So there's the romance of that, but there is no romance to it whatsoever. The dude spent time negotiating with the club of his dreams, quote, crosstown rivals, arch nemesis, you know, this is clearly, ultimately, all about Ronaldo. Him, 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 and winning, which which he does, which he does. And it'll be fascinating to see if that continues. Also fascinating, United fans were storming the field in protest back in May. They are now delirious. That is how football works, that incredible jackknife of human emotions. And the memories of Ronaldo playing for you. I've loved reading about the memories. Daniel Taylor wrote about the blur of Ronaldo's feet at his best that terrorised opponents. He wrote about a game against Bolton in which Ronaldo put on such a masterclass, quote, the opposition right-back Henrik Pedersen was substituted on 28 minutes and Sam Allardyce post-match was asked by the Bolton Evening News whether his players would have psychological scars from Ronaldo. Scars? Allardyce replied, we're going to need fucking plastic surgery after that. So we're going to have those memories back, Davo. And as you say, ultimately, this is a deal that makes most sense. Most sense. From a marketing perspective, from a content perspective, which is what football now is, it's a content, it's an entertainment play. There's no greater commercial behemoth in football. He, Ronaldo is the world's greatest global billboard. 334 million. 334 million followers on Instagram. Manchester United have 45.3 million. For point of reference, Dallas Cowboys, 3.6 million. Whatever happens, it'll be worth the $28 million just in terms of followers acquired, engagements, likes, clicks, retweets. But you've got to say, Ole, Dave, he's going to have no margin for error. You know, no plausible... Ex- this is not a come 15, 17 points behind for first uh, place again, is it now? This is build to win, go now. Yeah, no, you imagine he's got to finish top or close to the top. Um, but, you know, fortunately, this is a man he knows well. He was his teammate. He played with him. Um, uh, and I think he will offer a, a dynamism. He did score plenty of goals uh, last season. I imagine he'll score plenty of goals this season. Um, and United, you, you can see from this weekend, there's still an offense where which isn't quite sinking isn't quite working and I can't believe that Ronaldo won't make it better just imagine for now September the 11th and I gotta say I am so excited if if you're not excited to watch this then you are not alive Ronaldo pulling on the United red John Joe Shelby fouls Fred 35 yards out Ronaldo lining up his legs (laughs) spread looking at that goal and then just smacking a majestic free kick straight into the wall. It's going to be magnificent. I mean, to be candid, I will be shocked, Davo, right? Shocked, shocked if Ronaldo does not score a goal on his return. And he's going to make story. He's going to make story. Um, he'll be in the highlights for us week after week after week. It's going to be tough. We might just need to set up a separate podcast just to discuss this weekend in Ronaldo. 
this week in Peck's jersey off. Yeah. Nips out mm-hmm. memories of past glories. Yep. If when he scores that goal, it will be a roar heard all around the world. Absolutely, Roger. Okay, a quick shout out that we are back on Spotify Greenroom to pod live this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You mean that interactive platform on which GFOPs can ask us their questions live during the pod? That's right, Roger. But the only way they can ask said questions and offer puppy owner advice for you about Marty Scorsese, we heard him a little bit before the show today, (laughs) is to actually be on the Green Room. If you aren't already on Green Room, just download the Spotify Green Room app and search for Men in Blazers in People Not Groups because we are people, we're not a group. Turn on notifications, then just log on at 7pm this Wednesday and hear yourself live on the pod. And Rog, rumour has it, you might do an emergency green room Tuesday night after the transfer window slam shut. I will be breaking down Everton's equivalent of the romantic Lukaku to Chelsea and Ronaldo return to Manchester United. I am praying that Fellaini comes back to our loving arms. Aww. Come be with us Tuesday night, GFOPs. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favourites, California, Texas and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving double P, Pablo Picasso, Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season. is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because Price Picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long time staple in the Bennett refrigerator, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse, Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48-ounce cold brew products, something for everybody, from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi-serve format. i tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. And be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. I want to raise my first third bud of the day to Lionel Messi, who made his debut for PSG in Ligue 1 yesterday, coming onto the field in the 66 minute for Neymar, no less, against Rem in Rem, the city where French kings used to be crowned until the 19th century. How fitting. And it was all remarkable to watch Messi 
little nervous. Even the Rem fans started to chant his name as he warmed up, which is really incredible. Um, it was a 2-0 victory to PSG if you didn't see it. But after the game, it was really quite... Well, it was slightly odd and slightly beautiful. The Rem players surrounding Lionel, all begging for his jersey. Dude's mm. going to have to start wearing like 11 per game, <laughs> just like all on top of each other to give out like candies. And the Rem goalkeeper, Predrag Radjevic, went next level, bringing his toddler kid onto the field, dumping him in Messi's arms, taking a cell phone photo. Professional opponents turned fanboys and a raise... My bud fam, blood fam, too messy. The Liga and chapter, part football, part carnival. These are the days of miracles and wonder. Okay, Rog, to the football. Liverpool won. Chelsea won. These two challengers to the throne and early season favourites. They locked horns in a seismic tussle at Anfield in the 22nd minute. The Kai they told you not to worry about put the visitors ahead, <laughs> turning a header as well angled as his cheekbones past Alisson to make it 1-0. But late in first half injury time, cue controversy. It erupted during a goalmouth scramble when the ball hit off of Reese James's thigh and caromed up into his arm after a VAR review. Well, not a very long VAR. Well, a long VAR review at VAR, but not a very long review in the stadium. <laughs> Anthony Taylor awarded Liverpool a penalty and gave James a red card. Salah Cooley converted the penalty, as is his want, and Mendy has never got near a penalty in his life, setting up a second-half red siege <laughs> in which Liverpool marauded forward. But 10-man Chelsea, we only need 10 men, remained resolute and as tight as Tommy Tuchel's tracksuit bottoms to hold on for the point. A lot of emotions in this one, Roger. Oh, Tommy Tuchel's tracksuit bottoms. I like ah! it snug. I like it snug. Oh, my God. I can't remember a Premier League game I've been more excited for ahead of kickoff than this one. An epic battle between the two Germans working hardest to have baseball caps replace Lederhosen as their country's national dress. Mm. And the game, from the off, high intensity, every player giving it their all, all over the field, steel, clashing with steel. It's like a chess game between two masters, just shape and organisation, the fight for space, the fight for inches. Liverpool, Harvey Elliott, 18-year-old Harvey Elliott, given an incredible boost of confidence with a nod, possibly edging it, Dave, both teams charging forward to create. Yeah, it was fantastic football. Uh, I do think the home team, you know, probably on XG were slightly uh, edging it. Uh, but Chelsea looked dangerous again and again and again on the counter. And 20 minutes in, your boys took the lead. Describe the scene in the Davis home. Yeah, it was good. Mason Mount with a with the corner. Kai just drifting into space. What a different player he is from his early first year, um, you know, transfer from the Bundesliga. That's that's a little bit of hope for you, Man United, Jaden Sancho fans. Uh, he's adjusted to the speed of the game. So intelligent, so smart, drifts into space and angles. You don't see the near post inside, well, further than the near post header made very often in football, Rog. It's a, it's a goal of a really cunning, intelligent goal scorer. Fantastic header, fantastic goal. Uh, one nil to the Chelsea. Yeah, interesting thing about it. Five Liverpool defenders in the vicinity of Lukaku and Havertz made his run um, into space, calculated his geometry, mm. looped a stunning header 
I mean, I, I would imagine in the Havertz brain, it was like, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this towards frame. Do you think yeah. he really thought, I'm going to get this one just acutely into the corner? It was, oh. Would you say it was a headed version of a chasse? He's like a German Gustmann. Um <laughs> I would say that if he weren't German, I would think it was a chasse. But being German, I am sure he was calculating all the angles. And he had <laughs> he had practiced this many Philip times since, to since youth in, in, in this gymnasium and in this gymnasium. He had figured out that there is a there is a high potential for effectiveness with the angled header from inside the near post. I read an um, interview this weekend with the um, classic 1980s West Indian bowler Michael Holding. Oh, who I, think I loved he, him. He, bowled over 100 he, he, miles an hour. He ran so fast and he he was essentially pitched the ball essentially, uh, baseball fans, so fast. He had a nickname, Whispering Death, which I just... <laughs> When I watched Havertz score that goal, that goal was just whispering death. Mm. And it was the first goal Allison conceded all season. And then fascinating to see how Liverpool would res- respond. And I've got to say, both teams continue to up their games, trading heavy blows. Mason Mount had one nicked off the line by Robertson. Within seconds, Harvey Elliott's got a fine chance over the bar. And then the moment that changed the match. 45 minutes plus three. Sadio Mane, goal-bound shot. I remember shouting, how did that not go in? Which is one of my, one of the three things I shout at the television as a neutral, uh, most often according to my kids. How did that not go in? And what did the miracle prove to be, David? Well, it was Rhys James's arm, (laughs) partially, why it didn't go in. I mean... It's tough. You have to really watch that in real time. It's very tough to watch that in slow motion. And you have to feel terrible for Rhys James. I think this is, you know, to me, there's not a lot of controversy or there's not sort of the surface level controversy. It had to be a handball. And because it was handball, the way it was written, it had to be a red card. Um, but I don't think that's why that rule was written in order to get people like Reese James sent off in that moment. I think when the ball inadvertently comes off your thigh and into your hand, I don't think that was why the rule was written in order to send people off. Anyway, it is how it's written. It is how um, the referees are interpreting it for now. I believe it will change. Dogso, dogso, dogso. I mean, the, the, the James hand does move towards the ball. You could say that was just a reaction without any intention, but the Lord doesn't care about intent. No. The, the, the law is, quote, when a player denies the opposing team a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity by a handball offence, the player is sent off wherever the offence occurs. And to me, I've got to say, it's against the spirit of the game. Um, you know, Premier League has removed the double jeopardy law for non-deliberate handballs, and it felt so harsh to be punished twice. Um, a lot of confusion because Anthony Taylor was told clearly to go and look at VAR. He was like, I don't want to go. And they said, you've got to go. And he said, well, I'm going to do it for a second, the bare minimum. Um, and everyone's agonised. He looked at the still shot. How could he tell? You know, the reality was the law is the law. Miguel Delaney in the Independent wrote a better solution would be just to award a penalty goal uh, in those situations. Yeah. But the law... It's ultimately the law. We talk a lot as as people with uh, law degrees that we hated doing that the law is an ass and the red card completely changed the terrain of all that was to follow in a way competitively. And I will say, with the world watching this heavyweight clash, you kind of think the Premier League will want to look into this and will not want a game to be marred 
in that way, almost self-sabotagingly. Liverpool, Salah netted the penalty, followed by more scenes. I love Hendo tried to pick up the ball, so Mendy just tried to kick the ball as hard as he could through Hendo's shins. Argy-bargy all over the field. Kante, in the middle of it, picked up a knock to his recurring ankle injury, which is a bit mm. of a worry. Soft tissue. Yeah, the man who plays like two men had to go off. And in a way, Chelsea lost several players inside 60 seconds, Dave. It was pushy-pushy. It was I thought, you know, great spiky games are the best games. And I also thought Chelsea could really lose their minds here. But you've got to credit Tom Tom Tuchel because a lot of teams would have lost the plot in that moment. But whatever he said at halftime, I mean, the reorganisation, the calming, the refocusing, it was incredible. Yeah, I think Chelsea lost a game to Liverpool early last season when they went down to 10 men and they ended up losing it 2-0. And, you know, they fought valiantly, but they didn't, they weren't able to contain uh, the opposition. I think this time, this may be one of the most important things that's happened. You know, we, we tend to overstate the importance of the first three games of the season. I'm not just saying that because Everton are doing well, Rog. I'm saying that we just do tend to overstate it. I think when we look back at the end of the season, what happened in the first three games may not be the most significant thing. Although I would dare say for Chelsea, this 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 resoluteness that they showed, I thought was was really, really key. And just look, my final word on the on on the red card. I think that there should be, even in big TV games between big teams, there should be red cards when players do appalling things, you know, high studs up tackles, saving the ball off the goal line by diving towards it. Um you know, accumulation of just horrible, horrible fouls. I do believe they've got to get sent off. I don't think it's good for anybody to have Reese James sent off in this situation. Yeah, I think they should look at it as a television spectacle and they should just have Nickelodeon slime come down. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You should get slime. For, yeah, get yeah. slime. Definitely yeah. play with a, with the humiliation of slime. But Thomas Tuchel, God, putting on Thiago Silva, putting on Kovacic uh, as Kante headed off Havertz taken off he described his method team effort at its very best never lose the shape try to close the half spaces it was clear we would suffer but you could do it and so they did i mean just an astonishing metal for the fight to come and so it had to be because liverpool tasted blood their press was suffocating they hemmed chelsea back 19 shots in the half chelsea were restricted to brief but intelligent flurries yeah. on the counter big rom desperately tried to resource himself against big Verge. I will say, yeah. handle them with confidence. Never truly looked like breaking his run of six matches without scoring at Anfield. Rom left the field wishing he could play against Pablo Mari every week. But it, <laughs> the, the, we, what emotions were you experiencing in that second half? Because it's a neutral, far bit, you know, one of those Netflix miniseries around episode seven or eight, things just slow down as they do a lot of narrative exposition. It feels a bit, bit dull before you hurtle towards the climax. The second half felt a bit, it, felt, it fizzled a little bit. Liverpool Liverpool just seemed thin. They brought on Thiago. They brought on Samikas after Jota had already come on. But you really saw the thinness of their squad, especially in the attacking areas. Um, what, what, what were your emotions in that second half? Well, I mean, initially, enormous nervousness um, and also a sense of like sort of inevitability and doom, but gradually replaced by some hope that made the nervousness even worse. And then I would just say a bit of pride, a bit of like, wow, look at them. Look how hard they're fighting. Look how hard they're working. Um, and a, a couple of moments, I thought, you know, uh, Matip made an excellent block on, on, uh, on Big Rom, um, you know, for a ball that seemed destined for the back of the net. Uh, so, 
great performance by Chelsea. I think both teams played really well. I think this is one of those games you've got to say, you know what, both teams are, are quality. I agree with you about the thinness of Liverpool's bench. There's not a lot of goals coming off that bench. Um, and uh, and a very good game of Premier League football, ultimately. You know, Chelsea, what I admired was how comfortable they appeared down the stretch with their organisation. You, you cast your mind back to just how open they were and the Lampard at the beginning of the last season. Yeah. And you've got to marvel at how much a difference a coach makes. I loved watching Rudiger. You know, if there's a fight in a Chelsea game, guaranteed Rudiger will be in the middle of it. He loves it. He's that guy. And their shape, a monstrous, remarkable piece of work. Such precision was required, such concentration to play so fearlessly in the jaws of that Liverpool press, which also was imperious and impressive for long spells of that second half. And Chelsea made it look effortless. It's anything but effortless. Physically, it's exhausting. Mentally, it's even worse. And if I were a Chelsea fan, I'd be as delighted with that point as the players were shattered to have earned it. You must have been happy with that result. Very, very. Sometimes you say a draw feels like a win. That was a draw that felt like a win. Um, And a very, very good start. Very solid start to the season for Chelsea as they leave on international break. Klopp post-game was realistic. We could have done better, but I don't forget it's just the third match day. And he'll be pleased that Liverpool have not lost a game since he stopped wearing glasses. Although their fans will anxiously be waiting, no doubt, for one more impact player to arrive before Tuesday's transfer deadline. You get the sense, though, Klopp's team do not have the unlimited funds of the Cities and United. They can't just refresh that squad in the style of Pep and Ole and, and Chelsea. And that you could say Liverpool really are going to be in a battle for top four this season rather than the title because of it. We'll see. Still a very, very good football team. They definitely look a, a better defensive unit with Big Verge back. Um, and I still think they're going to cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Okay, Rog, but now to the favourites for the title. Manchester City 5, <gasps> Arsenal nil. Pep Guardiola <sighs> applies, if not the kiss of death, then at least the hug of critical condition to his young protégé's season, sinking the 10-man gunners with five goals to put them rock bottom of the table with a negative nine-goal difference and zero goals scored after three games. The positive start that Arteta summoned lasted all of seven minutes when a cross from Gabriel Jesus found the head of Ilkay Gundogan. Shortly after, the ball fell to Ferran Torres in the box to double the City lead. That would likely have all but wrapped it up. But just to be sure, Granit Xhaka steamed in, two-footed, leaving the ground on João Cancelo, earning a well-deserved red card and an excuse to not play another 45 minutes against the champions. Jesus, Rodri and Torres then added goals to finish off Arsenal 5-0. A grim second half in which the visitors saw only 9%, yes, 9% of the possession. Oh, Arsenal fans, we take no pleasure in this. You know, going into it, this has been a one-sided fixture for so long. I think Pep Guardiola's taken 28 of a possible 30 points against Arsenal. And as Hey Jude rang out around the Etihad before the game, Man City took the field. I thought, my God, not since the days of the Roman Colosseum and prisoners are about to be fed to the Lions has a game, the anticipation of it felt more one-sided. Even the Lions probably <laughs> lost one or two of those. But Arsenal fielded five at the back to try and fend off all that was to come. They had young Odegaard back. You know, 
But second week on the run, started brightly, and I tweeted, and I feel responsible for this. Maybe some of it's my fault. I said, feels like we've seen this movie before. All match reports will begin. Arsenal started quite brightly before City opened the scoring on 15 minutes. And good God, the only thing I was wrong about was the timing, David, because seven minutes in. Not exactly the... Uh... The, you know, the, the penalty area heading threat you see, Ilke <laughs> Gundogan, maybe the smallest man on the field at this point. Um, he gets up, beats Callum Chambers. I don't know what he's doing. Um, and, you know, heads it goalwards. Um, you know, oh, goalkeeper David. might have done a little bit better with that it, one. But there it is, one minute. It was City's first bloody attack. You, know, you play three centre-backs. Chambers is a big man. Gundogan is... Gundogan is child-sized and unmarked, just pain, pain, pain for Arsenal fans. We need to start doing this mug, Davo. It would get worse for Arsenal. I, I think we should bring that mug into the world because we've talked and talked and talked about how bad Arsenal are across the back. But City Second was like a mini movie plumbing deeply into each one of those plot points. Just an innocuous low cross. Arsenal defenders felt like wheat being threshed. I believe you can see in the replay several grown men in red actually pissed their pants and soiling <laughs> themselves in fear. What was why, why would Cedric clear the ball, Dave, when when he could leave Torres to tap it, tap, tap it in? And Chef's kiss was a false hope of Avaru for Arsenal fans not given, just agony for Arsenal fans. They were to get out of bed, West Coast at 4.30am. Yeah. To watch your story club play this badly, I just felt an agony for Arsenal fans in that move. Yeah, I did that. I was on the West Coast. I'm not even an Arsenal fan and I got out of bed. Then I tweeted, you know, I got out of bed, watched it. I don't even like sad films. Uh, To which (laughs) many people responded, don't you mean snuff films? Um, It was was awful. It's just occurred to me that every time in the past when we've said it would get worse for Arsenal, we were actually ushering in this start to the season for them. Coffee mug, trademark. This is what we ultimately meant by it would get worse for Arsenal. You know, you, you could go deeper than just worse. You know, yes, Arsenal fans mourn the absence of their first choice centre-backs, Ben White and Gabriel. But you've got to look at that back line. Kalasanak, so useless that he was sent on loan last season. Callum Chambers, who has been, you know, just so feeble for so long, failed to live up to his potential. Suarez, Rob Holding. Yeah, and, and ask yourself, what kind of transfer recruitment strategy has led to that? Or, or, or why a team with so many needs in so many positions spunk so much cash on a second string goalkeeper? But I'm not going to go there because it was just one, you know, pain, P-A-I-N, after the other. Um, it would get worse for Arsenal. Xhaka, Davo, Xhaka, captain, leader, whatever. What was he doing? What was he thinking as he earned the 10th red card of the Arteta regime? Yeah, leading all teams in that period um, by a lot. I mean, I guess trying to prove how hard he is, trying to prove how much he cares. You know, Xhaka, who was, let's not forget, just a couple of months ago, how amazing Xhaka was for Switzerland during the Euros. Amazing. That France game particularly, he was superb in that game unrecognisable from the man who plays for Arsenal week in, week out. And I tell you, on the bench, watching Arteta complain to his assistants about why the red card was given, this might be why they keep on getting red cards. 
that Arteta doesn't seem to really understand that that is a red card in any game, in any code, anywhere it's idiotic, around the world. idiotic. Jumping with two feet off the ground yeah. from a yard out with a referee right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a man who'd just been given a new contract by Arsenal. Arteta patted him on the back on the way. On the tushy. There was a third goal. The second half was just a stroll and continued beat down Pep, treating Arteta like an overbearing dad, destroying his son in driveway hoops. If I let him win, he'll never learn. Great GFOP. Arsenal supporter at Don Steele tweeted, watching Arsenal this morning is like seeing a band who used to sell out the stadiums, <laughs> play tech company conferences. Yeah. And the only winners of Arsenal season are clearly Amazon's uh, all or nothing producers. Oh. City delivered Arsenal's worst <laughs> defeat in seven and a half years. Three games, no wins, no goals, nine conceded. Arsenal lose first three league matches. This is all awful. In a season for the first time since 1955. Arteta post-game said, I'm really disappointed with the things that happened. I'm more critical of myself. I take the blame every single time. Uh, you know a manager is totally F when Pep Guardiola says post-game, he is beyond a good manager. Dave, is that the kiss of death or what? Uh, pretty much. I can imagine the note session with the all or nothing producers. <laughs> it's like, well, we're getting a lot of, lads, we're getting a lot of nothing. What yeah. we're looking for is a bit of all because the show is called All or Nothing. Um, oh. That's going to be, mad. yeah, it is the kiss of death. It really felt like the, you know, uh, the, the speech from Julius Caesar. Uh, it was... He was just being condemned in that moment. Oh, Arsenal fans praying for Antonio Conte to come in, but Arsenal in this level of hot messness are not an Antonio Conte style project whatsoever. It is going to be amazing. I do predict when Arteta leads Real Sociedad to victory over Arsenal in the 2026 Europa League final, which I tweeted and so many Arsenal fans come back and said, Arsenal will not be in the Europa <laughs> League in 2026. But, you know, for City first, Pep, weird week, floating the notion of leaving City at the end of 2023, then walking it back, probably after watching this game. He's like, eh, maybe I won't leave. Yep. This was a stroll, a breeze, Fran Torres, two goals and an assist. The new number nine, he makes movements like the best strikers, like Jamie Vardy said, Pep. But slight Premier League problem, David. We talked about this ahead of the season, how we predicted beat down after beat down this season. Um, for essentially 80 minutes, this game, 9% possession overall for Arsenal was boring as crap to watch as a spectacle. Big fixtures of yore were seeing the likes of 3-0, 5-0 beatdowns, not even competitive or fun to watch. That That's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Although, you know, the league, you know, I, I've been amazed at how competitive most of the games in the league have been so far this season. And we saw some great fixtures this weekend. Um, but this is worrying for Arsenal fans, obviously, deeply troubling. This was an Arsenal team who are going to be in the Super League. I think we know where they would have finished in the Super League. Um, and this was just, there was nothing happy about this. Uh, there was nothing to celebrate in it. Um, and it's just difficult to see where Arsenal go from here, honestly. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. And <laughs> watching Arteta just try and blue steel his way through it all in that second half was an agony. Um, at Call Me TRL tweeted, I'm old enough to remember when Arsenal was in the Super League. They are currently rock bottom, David. Can we be serious for a minute? Arsenal fans, just know this. This is, this is, not, this is not Arsenal the relegation battle season, is it? I doubt it. I mean, anything in, in, in football is possible, but I doubt 
that it is. They have too many good players. You saw what they did in the Carabao Cup in uh, midweek last week. Uh, I think they dispatched a West Bromwich Albion team by about 17 to nil. Um, they'll do well. They've got plenty of goal scorers, plenty of very good attacking players. And even in this one, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, still acquitted himself beautifully. Kieran Tierney is still a fantastic player. They've got very good players on that on that team. Um, they're going to be fine in the long haul, but this has been a dreadful start. But I think for, you know, you said it on the pod last week that, you know, you feel a lot for Arsenal because you feel like they're a Southern Everton. Um, and I think a lot of GFOPs, like literally like they'd shudder at that thought. I think right now they would love to be Everton. They'd bite your arm off to be Everton right now. But they are in that world of irrelevance right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is going to be more the Arsenal, another thunderous climb to mid-table obscurity with a late flirt with Europa Conference League play. Um, but this is going to be another chaos is a ladder season in which the notion of Arsenal as a true power, which we, you know, we still from a brand perspective cling on to that being a big six club is proved to be running on fumes. And, you know, I joke about the Everton of the South. The reality is that the Liverpool of the South, but not the Liverpool of now. They're the Liverpool from the mid 90s who had a dark period in the wilderness. It can happen to massive clubs that they lose their way for an extended period, which is where Arsenal are right now. You know, as a price, frankly, of their ill-sighted, just short-term knee-jerk decision-making over the past four or five seasons. See David Luiz, see Oba, see Willian. And I was looking through my tweets over the past five years about Arsenal. Five years ago, I tweeted, to be an Arsenal fan is to suffer repeat agonies, only biblical Job, Phil goal-kicking Charlie Brown, or Phil from Groundhog Day can understand. Um, what has changed other than the manager? Certainly, you know, that makes me feel alone that for Arsenal fans who watch the team they love week in, week out in that period, watching that team decompose, suffering repeat agonies, watching that that team is like being trapped on an MC Escher staircase where you're going round and round, normal rules of gravity don't apply, you're going nowhere. And as an Evertonian, I do feel their pain. Last word to GFOP at Matthew A. Miller, who tweeted, the cruelest part is the inherent masochism. None of us Americans had any regional loyalties. Why Why did I gravitate towards this team? Why did I choose this life? Chelsea and City were just sitting there, beckoning with open arms and fistfuls of cash. Oh, Matthew, and to thousands of American GFOPs. That's the joy of football. You do it to yourself. You do. And that's what really hurts. Yep. And meanwhile, Nuno's Spurs go top of the table. <laughs> Tottenham won, Watford nil. Uh, Tottenham make it three wins from three in Harry Kane's first league start of the season. The difference in this game, a 42nd minute sunny, in-swinging frass, frot, a free kick that was somewhere between pass and shot that found its way past Daniel Bachman in the Orns goal. Cisco Munoz's side did have their chances here, but Spurs keep their third straight Clean sheet and Nuno's bomber jacket mafia marches on. What a week for Spurs fans. One that begins by 
Harry Kane announcing he's going to step. One of my actual Spurs fans said, Harry Kane announces he's going to stay in prison. Sorry, at Spurs for the <laughs> summer. <laughs> and no doubt fulfill a childhood dream of playing for Nuno. Here he made his first Premier League start of the season after becoming the first English player in world history to score a brace in Europa Conference League. Let's enjoy this last dance, a.k.a. he's one of our own two, Electric Boogaloo. Watford had lost nine, had lost ten at Spurs. This, though, was a great game. Nip and tuck. Watford sprightly on the break, packing the box. The Spurs attempted to pass a move of Hoiber and Skip sitting deep in front of the back line, hell-bent on protecting that clean sheet, which is Nuno's imperative. The deadlock broken on stroke of half-time. We're Sonny's team now, Davo. Yeah, it was the kind of goal that Willian used to score for Chelsea before he went to Arsenal, Rog. We used to see this uh, this this goal. Uh, you know, he puts the ball from the you know top left of the penalty area. It's one of those swinging uh, free kicks hit with the right foot, swinging in and just put into the perfect area where the goalkeeper imagines that somebody has got to put a head to it. Either you would hope one of his own players, but if not one of the offensive players and doesn't challenge for it and the ball just bounces innocuously into the corner. Oh, God loves Sonny. Yeah, we'll just say the Austrian goalkeeper Backman has an extraordinary large corridor of uncertainty. Cue Sonny smile, 72nd goal in his 200th Spurs game. What a beautiful human being that man is. Spurs fans start singing, you're going down with the Arsenal <laughs> and the Watford players. What a time to be a Spurs fan, Davo. Seventh choice boss, Nuno, becomes the first Tottenham manager to win their opening three league fixtures since Arthur Rowe in 1949. Spurs, you're the champions of August. That is not nothing. Take it from me. Nine points, three clean sheets. Harry Kane staying poor, top of the table. Arsenal rock bottom of that aforementioned table. Uh, are you right, David? When I watch this, watching Spurs hold on again for another 1-0 win, are we living in a simulation? And <laughs> yes. that's, that simulation is run by Spurs fans. Maybe. We have no free will. Certainly this year's simulation, this year's guest conductor of the simulation is without a doubt a Spurs fan. Could be Tom Rothman uh, from my own beloved Sony Pictures uh, movie studio. Um, yeah, this is incredible. Like, life could not be better for Spurs fans. We know many of them, Roger, and they are just loving every second right now. GFOP at RSL Total MLS tweeted, I'm a man who believes only in stats. Currently, the stats support that Spurs will complete a 38-goal, 114-point Premier League winning season. Stats also support Arsenal will be relegated with no points after 38 <laughs> matches, scoring none and conceding 114 times. My Spurs supporting mate, Scott Debson, texted me to say at the final whistle, it's all very strange watching this Spurs start to the season. Like it's like it's like a dream, a dream you know will end up as a nightmare. And I'm going to say I don't know about that. You know, Spurs have shown they are going to be difficult to beat this season. They are going to be very difficult. Crystal Palace away the other side of the international break, then Chelsea, Wolves, and Arsenal. Let's see how Spurs look. Then, for now, you are champions of August, one of the biggest trophies in sports, according to Everton fans. And Davo, it might get even better. Tottenham Hotspur, as the transfer window ticks down, heavily linked to Little Elm, Texas's Weston McKinney out of favour. Wow. At Juventus under new manager Allegri, rumours have him available for around $55 million. I am praying. I've rarely prayed harder for Everton to come in, steal a player, Davo. I would actually start a GoFundMe for that. But God, Weston in the Premier League. 
We are living in incredible days. Oh, I love it. His exchange rate is two Ronaldos. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, Wolves, nil. Manchester United won just 48 hours after announcing Cristiano Ronaldo signing. United earn a victory over the de facto Portuguese national B team. Free-flowing avant-garde Wolves, thanks to an 80th minute Mason Greenwood goal. Ole's team were actually second best for long stretches of this one, including an opening 20 minutes in which Adama Traore dribbled past nearly every player on the pitch multiple times. Yet they escaped the Black Country with three points to stay undefeated on this young season with two wins and a draw. Davo, as we pod, news just breaks. Willian will fly out to Brazil tomorrow to sign as a new Corinthians player. That, that must be Arsenal's first win of the season. But <laughs> yeah. United, another week, another blue kit for the Red Devils. Oh. Ole's 100th game in charge. United fans waving their Ronaldo cardboard cut out in the air. Varane Sancho, both starting for the first time. But the game began almost as if it was a cry for help by Ole of his need for a number six, that United midfield balance. Pogba playing such an advanced role, leaving Fred alone to repel all comers. Traore, Trincao just charging to United over and over. Sancho, shell-shocked, Davo. I mean, Juan Bissaka's miracle clearance off that Wolves, who had not scored all season. How were they not like 4-0, 5-0 up at the half-time? I know. How Wolves have zero points this season uh, with how well they've played through these first three games. I love this team under Bruno Lage. Uh, I have a Portuguese friend who who took me through the proper pronunciation. Bruno Lage. Um, and uh, they, I love the way they're playing football. They just can't quite see. They're a bit constipated in front of goal, Rog. Bit, a bit. Traore is, is just, he is magnificent. You get the feeling... That if you told him, uh, sorry, today, uh, Adama, you've got to take on the entire team on your own, one versus 11, he'd be like, cool, fancy my chances. He is everything apart from the finish. And G Shannon Instagrammed in to ask the big question, how many shots on goal does Traore have to win at before he gets his own verb? <laughs> but at halftime, I tweeted, the most engrossing nil-nil I've seen in a long time, Wills. Can't score. United can't attack. One of these truths is going to have to give. And so it came to pass. United so deep that they couldn't stop Wolves. Anyone who grew up watching the 18, did you watch that? Did you grow up watching that show? I, I did until I realised that I just could never, ever follow the plot of what was going on. But I, I watched it a few times. Oh, I was I loved Murdoch. I loved <laughs> Murdoch. I lived for Mr. T. And there was always, in every episode, there was always a finale where the guys were surrounded by bad dudes who would just open fire on them with automatic weapons and somehow miraculously a sprays of bullets everywhere, but our guys were never hit. And Wolverhampton Wanderers shooting is like that, but worse. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was wondering, I was wondering, they were Ronaldo watching United just be torn apart over and over with a complete imbalance, no midfield, just Fred on his own. Um what must he have been at home? I imagine watching the United performance. What would he be? What would he be thinking as he did say? God, I'm going to fit in well here because I'll just get the ball all the time. I'll take every shot. I'll take every free kick. They, um, they need. They need me. I can make a yeah, difference here. Totally. He's going to look at it totally from his point of view. It's better if they were playing brilliantly and didn't need him. It would be awful for Cristiano. Yeah. This is per- I, perfect situation. Knowing Ronaldo as I do, I imagine what was going through his mind was, you know, if I 
If I adjust the lights and the television screen just right, I can actually see my own reflection in the screen. But the, 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 oh, it looks like a mirror. I love that. Then in the 80th minute, it changed. Larceny, grand larceny, star boy, Mason Greenwood, Dave. What, yeah. what a moment. Yeah, Mason Greenwood, who'd been scintillating, you know, really the one scintillating player for United um, through the game and, frankly, this season, uh, takes the ball on the right side and just, I just love the way he puts his laces through it. Um, goalkeeper gets a foot, a hand or something to it, uh, but ball goes into the back of the net. Great, great goal. Um, 1-0. He's a baby, Rog. He is a baby. You can the fourth youngest player to score 20 Premier League goals, fastest to it behind Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney, Robbie Fowler, three true greats. You know, the, the goal was highway robbery, especially as it had a, a, a whiff of, of controversy. Pogba oh, diving yeah. in on Neves, did make glancing contact. Mike Dean uh, was just thinking about what a great game I'm having, as he did so. <laughs> and was not, I'm doing it. I'm not making it. Hey, today, they all love me. The people, they came to see a performance. They're getting a performance. And then some, what's my XG, said Mike D in his own mind. And I don't understand why VAR did not see it, but irrespective, Wolf switched off the ball, made his way to Greenwood. And the last second week on the run, actually, that Saar has, uh, has kind of cocked it up big time. Uh, with the save, which which makes it all hurt more. When you look at the XG expected goals on this one, Wolves 2.01, Manchester United 0.66. And you said at the top, Wolves have been absolutely fantastic to watch the last two games, just joyously attacking with uh, 57 shots on the season, no goals, zero points. In many ways, they're the anti-Tottenham. They look magic and have nothing to show for it. Reminder that football is a results business, can be so bloody cruel. Hwang Ki-chan, the South Korean forward who came in on loan from Leipzig with an option to buy, cannot, cannot bed in quick enough. But what do you make of Manchester United? They were 28 unbeaten on the road, the longest run in history, dating back to the 1880s. But, my God, mm, mm, I mean, you could make the case they're getting three points playing terribly as a sign of a... Uh, of a team with with a lot to hope for, but that was that was that was skew with. Yeah, so many great players seem to be underperforming as a unit, but there are still so many great players, so they can change the game. I thought Varane uh, looks like he's going to be. I think we all knew going to be a superb Premier League defender. I thought he had a pretty good debut in the Premier League. Um, and uh, Jaden Sancho, I thought had a terrible game and reminded me a little bit of Kai Havertz early f- uh, first season. Kai Havertz adjusting to the speed coming from the Bundesliga where it just isn't quite the same intensity. Um, he just seemed a little bit off the pace and out of sorts in the game. Never mind the quality, feel the width kind of performance this was. You, you're allowed to have good players in either box was Ole's conclusion, referring to Greenwood's moment. Um, you know, David De Gea's Houdini like double save probably also qualifies in that. And ultimately, clean sheet on his debut for Varane and other managers, I will say, do care about that bit in the middle. What's it called again? A midfield. Mm-hmm. But Ole, not so much. We, Pogba, we marvel at how many Hollywood passes he unleashes. He kind of has to because there's no one ever alongside him in midfield to make simple exchanges with. But who cares? Roll on September the 11th. Ronaldo 2. The greatest two in Ronnie's imagination since his pecs. And the world is waiting. 
This was a good game of football. West Ham 2, Crystal Palace 2. The Irons dropped points for the first time this season in this London derby. David Moyes' boys went ahead after a game of East London hot potato on the edge of the six-yard box between Mikel Antonio <laughs> and Pablo Fornal saw the latter hit home to give them the lead going into the break. But the Palace drew level in the 58th minute via Chelsea sleeper agent Conor Gallagher. Mikel Antonio then put the irons back up, his fourth of the season. Quite a stonker. But in the 70th minute, it was Gallagher again levelling the score for Palace. A great little Cruyff turn in that one, leaping above Todd Campwell in the Urzarts Jack Grealish rankings. A very entertaining game of football all round this, Roger. Reality check, though, for West Ham, who seemed in control in the first half of a London derby against a Palace who hadn't scored all season and were very, very feeble in the final third in the first 45. But that changed in the second half as West Ham unchanged for the third successive game, started to look tired and leggy, thinness to the squad revealed, particularly in attack. Will they cry out for a new signing or are they going to have to play that cardboard cutout of Mikel Antonio that Mikel Antonio brought onto the field last weekend? And Palace, credit them, second half pushed higher up the field, targeted Craig Dawson, who West Ham fans will be delighted to know could now be replaced by the excellent new signing, Kurt Zuma. Only one mistake guaranteed per game, $41 million from Chelsea. But the talking point in this on 21-year-old Conor Gallagher, Davo, two exquisite finishes, especially that second, the difference maker. Another week, another impressive Chelsea loanee for us to marvel at, Davo. Yeah, absolutely. And with Tammy Abraham having another exceptional weekend for Roma, uh, suddenly, you know, I know Abraham's not a loanee, but we've got to buy back. He may as well be a loanee. Um, this is a uh, this is encouraging. I love watching Connor play football. Nice that he's doing it for my side chick. I enjoy this a lot. God, why would you loan players when you can send them to Roma, have them just unfurl, just impossible scoring techniques, and then yeah. buy them back for two hundred million dollars in like five six years time? Second coming of Tammy is going to be. It's going to be so romantic, right, David? <laughs> yeah, it is, until it all gets ruined by Jose Mourinho. This is what I always say, is don't look too hard for the first three games of the season. Right now, Roma are top of, the, uh, top of Serie A. You don't really see that necessarily lasting. You don't, you don't think Mourinho is in Italian saying to Tammy, are you Tammy Abraham or are you Deli Ali's brother? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing worse than being Deli Ali's brother is being Harry Kane's brother right now in world football. I love, it's my new thing is watching the Tammy, the Tammy highlights at the end of every game. He was, he was amazing for Roma uh, this weekend. Simply amazing. Uh, OK, Rog, Norwich 1, Leicester City 2, Coleman's Mustard falls to Walker's Crisps in a pub food accoutrement <laughs> derby. Jamie Vardy put the Foxes ahead on eight minutes with a decisive finish, followed by his patented angry Selly. The Canaries pulled level on 44 minutes via a Timu Puki penalty. But in the 76th minute, Mark Albrighton shot. He's still playing. Deflected off debutant Brandon Williams and passed Tim Krull, leaving Norwich without a point through three games. Oh, what a brutal gauntlet of an opening to the season for the Canaries in the mine shaft. Liverpool, City, Leicester. They wobbled in. Yes, they scored a big boy goal. Finally, Pookie from the spot. But this Leicester, so depleted by injury, an entire backline in the treatment room and Pereira limping off in this one. To add to it, Norwich should have done more, could have done more. And it's 10 goals conceded in the opening three games for Farker so far this season. Few managers will be more grateful for Arsenal hogging the headlines than he. The Brodge, though, also grateful both for the points after the West Ham beat down the week before and the break 
He's going to hope his medical team can do miracles during the international period as Manchester City await the other side of it. Newcastle 2, Southampton 2, a rock'em sock'em affair on Tyneside in the 91st minute with the game tied at one all. Patron saint of bangers, Ala Saint-Maximin, thrashed one past Alex McCarthy in what looked to be the winner. But in the 96th minute, down the other end, Newcastle defender Jamal stepped in a huge pile of Lascelles, taking down Adam Armstrong in the box, <laughs> conceding a penalty for that son of a barrister, James Ward-Prowse, to convert and salvage a point for Ralph Hampton. Two faltering, fearful, already feeling the heat of the relegation battle sure to come teams, teetering into combat. And poor Steve Bruce. I really do. I feel for that man. You know, Newcastle fans spent most of the first half singing for his firing. And he was within seconds of delivering a first win of the season. Alain Saint-Maximin, just, just magnificent for Newcastle. Scored in the 91st minute. Cute delirium. Only four. Adam Armstrong to take that tumble and all three names, James Ward-Prowse knocking home. He's the, the closest thing that the Premier League has to a kicker, just knocked home a 96-minute equaliser, a point for Southampton, an eyesore of a game for the neutral and pity Steve Bruce, a man desperate for a win. And next up, Ronaldo and Manchester United. Aston Villa won, Brentford won. The Bees stay undefeated through three top flight games, Roger. And they went ahead in this one through talisman Ivan Tony, who blasted one high past Emi Martinez. But the villains hit back just five minutes later when new signing Emiliano Buendia took a Danny Ings ball and turned adroitly atop the box before thumping one into the corner. Great goal. Villa sub Ollie Watkins had a pair of chances to win it against his former team. But ultimately, it ends honours even. Dean Smith versus his old club and his old assistant, Thomas Frank. And it began so beautifully for Brentford. Ivan Tony roofed that ball. Fine finish. His first career Premier League goal at the relatively late age of 25 after littering 107 in the three tiers below the top flight. Jamie Vardy style. An injury hit Villa. Fought their way back through Buendia. Jackie Grealish, who? Stunning, confident Wolf Blitzer of a finish. Huge respect to Brentford, though, who faced mid-table fare in their generous, kind opening schedule. But huge credit to them, have quietly gone unbeaten. Burnley won, Leeds won after a first half that was more Mai Tai fight than football match. Kiwi, Gulliver, Chris Wood. <laughs> put Burnley ahead in the 61st minute, stabbing home Matthew Loughton's shot to give the Clarets the lead. But four minutes from time, England's Patrick Bamford turned in Jamie Shackleton's effort to snatch a point in this Yorkshire-Lancashire tussle. Neither team, though, have managed to win yet this season. Prison rules. Burnley went hack-a-shack on Bamford. Tarkovsky, in Bamford's words, doing a weird jiu-jitsu thing on me early on. This one had more boxing than a Jake Paul fight. It was as if Burnley were like, Leeds, you think you're trained by playing murder ball? This is murder ball. And I've got to say, credit Leeds for matching fire with fire. Burnley have shown they cannot hold on to a lead this season. Leeds conjured that late equaliser from Patrick Bamford, who struck late with joy against one of his many former loan clubs to earn a point. A fine way to cap off an incredible week for that footballing toff who received his first England senior call-up for the World Cup qualifiers. England visit Hungary host mighty Andorra, and then finish up with a trip to Poland in the week to come. Brighton 
Nil Everton 2! Your boys extend their unbeaten start to the season, provide one of the more remarkable and entertaining scenes of the season thus far after going ahead through a wonderful 41st minute Damari Gray run and goal. The legs from Killebeg. Seamus Coleman was brought down in the box, winning <laughs> Everton a penalty and a chance to go up two over previously undefeated Brighton. And as if that wasn't enough pressure on penalty taker Dominic Calvert-Lewin, his teammate Richarlison then grabbed the ball and refused to relinquish it, uh... despite the beseeching of several teammates eventually after a lot of arguing Andros Townsend poked the ball out of Ricky's arms like a middle linebacker causing a fumble it might have been Andros Townsend's greatest player of the season and DCL converted to win it for your mob oh mate mate I didn't see this coming to be candid I was braced for darkness as readers of my newsletter uh, will have heard before the game this battle between two upstart teams fighting for the championship of August Brighton and Hove perfect record going against sex god Rafa Benitez Spanish Lord Top and Hat Thomas Tank humor always the best humor it was a game I will say of optimistic footballing styles that largely cancelled each other out in the first half both trying quite hard both lacking top-notch quality in the final third but Everton Davo Damari Gray two million dollars pound for pound is he the signing of the season uh yeah I mean, two million. What a bargain, Rog. Uh, he is outstanding. What a good player. And look, he's shown it at times in his in his Premier League career in the past, Roger. And he certainly fits in with Everton. Uh, he, he does with Lucas Dean, with that partnership, the tail of the life. I've got to say, he's the rare Everton footballer. You remember Leon Osman? Yeah. I used to say that whenever the ball, whenever Everton were on the break, went to his feet. And all of you who are listening probably have a player like this on your team. When the ball arrived at Leon Osman's feet on the break, I always just gave up on the play because I knew it would be inevitable. Mm. He'd either fall over or give it away. Damari Gray is actually the opposite. He's a player that whenever the ball gets to his feet, when he gets in behind, I, I lean into the game. I'm so excited to see yeah. what he's going to do. He's so direct. He-, he knows how to finish smartly, deftly orgasmically um, and my god what a what a joy even if he does nothing for the rest of the season I believe at two million dollars he's given us value um, yeah. second goal though was surreal yeah this is so Everton even in joy even in joy we have to crap in our own mouths David what did you make of Ricky yeah it was I mean you sort of have to admire how long he kept it up <laughs> Yes! He, he really did think he was going to get to take the penalty. It's been a story of the first half of the season. DCL talking long and hard about how he said to the gaffer, I'd like to start taking the penalties. Um, Rafa saying, I believe in this man is finishing so much. He's our official penalty taker. Everyone knows. Everyone knows DCL is taking the penalty. Seamus takes a tumble. Richarlison grabs the ball. Richarlison, who's been linked to PSG this week, it should be said as backstory, then refused to hand it over to aforementioned designated penalty taker. Everton players, four or five, surround their own man for 120 seconds, I'd Mm. say, begging him to begin with, laughing, thinking it's some kind of a joke that they're not getting, and then getting angry, um, and then just like Andros Townsend marching up and punching it, punching it out of Richarlison's arms, which was King Andros's main contribution <laughs> in the 90. And even iced by his own player, DCL got blessed three and three. I think Richarlison thought, man, penalties too far out for DCL to finish. Yeah. Richarlison, if you actually watch the celebration, he does join in the celebration, but does so angrily fuming, scowling. Yeah, you know, and I, a little late. What yeah. do you make it? I said on the green room that Richard, every, every classroom as a kid 
when you're growing up, like Richarlison, who wants to fight everyone, anytime, even loses a ton of those fights, gets battered, but it doesn't matter. He's like itchy and scratchy combined in human form. What what did you make of it, David? Fits in so well in Liverpool. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just odd. You Look, it's that same, you know, I imagine that his greatest weakness is also his greatest strength. They 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 come from the same place. He's viciously competitive. He wants to score. He probably has some enhancements enhancements in his contract, uh, which make it even sweeter for him to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and he's viciously competitive. He just wouldn't give it up. Wouldn't give it up. He's a he does play, and you've discussed this before, like on the edge of anger all the time. In a football match, I mean, if you just look at the challenges, the way he constantly gets into fights with other players, with the refs, with fans occasionally, um, and you know, he's—it's the same person who wanted to take the penalty. Proper knob, and I love him for it. And thus, Everton became the first team in human history to beat bearded Graham Potter. And you look at our fixture list, which I never like to get ahead of myself. Burnley, no. Villa, Norwich. Let me repeat that. Burnley, Villa, Norwich, next three games. Yeah, you should win them all. My, my youngest son said to me, Dad, top of the league in our future. What could go wrong now? I've got to say, I have been, in all seriousness, pleasantly surprised oh. watching the squad. Some signature Rafa discipline but some more direct attacking play than I imagined. And that rumour of Ainsley, mate, and Niles arriving oh. on loan to buy. Always a good plan to, like, turn yourself into the Arsenal of the North. I will say, onwards and sideways, Blues fans. <laughs> <laughs> that, makes a, that makes a diagonal, which is pretty good. It sounds like one of Damari Gray's runs. Uh, okay, Rog, can we get one final toast with that exclamation point in a bottle, Jägermeister, to bring us home? It's so lovely to hear you happy. Oh, I want to raise this shot of Jägermeister, this bolt of human emotion in a shot glass and the official shot of the Men in Blazers pod to the US men's national team. Gives me a great pleasure to say are about to begin that long road to qualification for World Cup 2022. A truly young 26. I believe Tim Ream only made the squad to make the average age seem like the majority of the players have actually gone through puberty. It is a raw squad in terms of CONCACAF experience and the joy for me. True joy is seeing 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe, the teen forward from El Paso, Texas, who represented both US and Mexico at youth level and has decided to play for America in qualifying. He wrote, This country has given me and my family a home and endless possibilities to achieve my dreams, which it's what life is all about. And this squad, yes, is inexperienced. Your nation has never been able to call on more players who've broken into elite levels of European club play. And I can't wait to watch Pulisic, Weston, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, the truly joyous Brendan Aronson play together. I pray the system is simple, that we don't feel the need to prove ourselves to anyone apart from ourselves. Baby steps of progress is what I'm looking for. One step at a time. This is, this is what I want to say. The summer was bloody fun. You know, I love the US team. Um, you know, I love them so bloody deeply. I yearn for their success. And I know a lot of US fans don't want to hear this, but the CONCACAF Nations League and the Gold Cup, they were super memorable nights. They were really, really joyous. But they they are, from a footballing competitive perspective, they are sugar highs. You know, everything mm. to me is about qualifying, learning about each other, finding out our strengths and our weaknesses, building to a World Cup where we refuse to read too much into the hype 
and just try and play the most effective football that we can and test our true selves against the very best. So I raise this shot, Davo, to our baby eagles, to joy, to glory, Godspeed, courage. Yeah, Roger, I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, we'll see those baby eagles take the field to begin World Cup qualifying this Thursday against El Salvador, Sunday against Canada, a very improved Canada, and next Wednesday against always tough Honduras. It's octagonal time and we're here for it. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. You can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Roger Bennett on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies. Uh, on Facebook, we are Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Was that a Rabona? I like snacks. Balds win, balds win. Take that, Gloria. Balds lose. To Tweed. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. Love you, baby eagles. Screech. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm-hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I would, in, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shay would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.